3: You're listening to the
2: Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links.
1: And now, your host, Mike Heck.
3: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us once again on this Thursday. We're in the middle of a crazy stretch of time in the combat sports world. We had a big event last night that we're going to discuss. Bellator returned for the first time in 2021 this past Friday. We'll discuss that. They got another event coming up tomorrow. UFC is back on ABC Saturday afternoon. We will talk about that as well. And we have ourselves a good old fashioned rematch. Why? Because the honorable judge Casey Lydon tells me hey, you know what? i think now that these days have gone by i think jed might have beaten jose last week i can't eat i can't Mm -hmm. sleep did i make the wrong decision so because we all care we decided let's run it back let's help casey get a get a good night's sleep tonight so we introduced the challenger once again a chance to get one back and uh extend his lead in the career standings let us say hello to mma fighting zone mr jed michu how are you my friend
4: doing really well let's not say get one back i think we all know i'm actually three and oh versus jose if you want to just change that record to just show my dominant record over jose that'd be optimal uh and yeah so i'm I'm happy to come correct the wrong because really i've lost to one man on this show just one and it's casey and so i'm glad that casey recognizes his failing and is is gonna make good
3: and we introduce the reigning defending BTL champion. He does not want to leave any doubts this week. He also joins us from MAFighting.com, the host of the A side live chat, the champ himself, Jose Youngs. How are you, my man? <laughs> no way.
4: <laughs> he couldn't even show his face. He's too shook to get this work.
3: Too afraid. <laughs> this isn't like Skype where I could see everything as it happens. It doesn't work that way. So, like every time we, hey, there he is, the champ back on the program. How are you, my friend?
5: I heard Venerable Casey Lydon thinks Jed Michou might have won, and then my entire computer shut down. So, that tells you exactly what you need to know.
3: Well, welcome back. Is this, is this, this is the six shirt, right? This is the six shirt that got everybody talking. Was that the what one? I mean, what do you mean the six shirt? Look in my closet and be like, "Oh, that's a lot of six shirts."
5: This just happens to be one that was made apparent on national broadcast. So, yes, this is a six shirt, but not the okay. six okay.
4: shirt. Incorrect. This <laughs> is the six shirt. sir. fight service baby from all night. Let's go. <laughs>
3: See so much going on in the combat sports world, but let's talk about one piece of business. Let's talk about the 2021 debut for Bellator MMA more specifically how that event ended on Friday night, this past Friday night that is, and what that is going to lead to. So Patricio Pitbull submits Emmanuel Sanchez in the first round. He retains his featherweight title did so impressively. One does not just do that. To a fighter like Emmanuel Sanchez, I think a lot of people expected Patricio Pitbull to win, to win that emphatically in that kind of way. I don't know if people really expected that, but what an incredible way to cap off Bellator 255 in beautiful Uncasville, Connecticut. Jose, we begin with you. Just your reaction to what Patricio Pitbull did six nights ago. Easy day in the park for the greatest Bellator
5: fighter of all time. Showed up, did exactly what everyone thought he was going to do, and I feel like this Grand Prix, the only fighter that really had anything for him, is AJ McKee and they of course meet in the middle they're the two best fighters in this they were the two best fighters entering this tournament and now are the the two best and the final two standing so uh did it to Pedro Carvalho uh Pista Juan Archuleta tko'd michael chandler who's about to fight for a ufc championship uh, and everyone you know they rolled out the red carpet for him so uh to people that are surprised that Patricio pitbull basically didn't break a sweat against emmanuel sanchez i say why this is exactly what he's done maybe you just haven't watched bellator ever and you're expecting these the semifinals of a grand prix to be some sort of competitive but that just shows you how good Drusil Pitbull is arguably the best featherweight in the world. I'm not going to make that argument right now because we're never going to get these fights, so it's illogical to even put that out there. But yes, not surprised whatsoever for the greatest be- fighter in Bellator history to uh, what less than four minutes put away someone in the semifinal. So let's move on.
3: Jed, you uh you kind of expected this to go pretty dominantly for Patricio Pitbull. I expected him to win and accept him to put him absolutely to sleep in the first three minutes of the fight. But here we are. Your thoughts on Patricio's performance on Friday night.
4: How do you think anything other than it was sensational? Like, right? Like, look, I thought he was gonna win. I thought he was gonna win dominantly, but I mean these guys have fought before. Sanchez made it to the cards. And he just got to to quote Demetrius Johnson, who's used this phrase like 17 times this past week. He got the the bricks blown off him, <laughs> like that was people just ran through him. So uh, it's awesome. It sets up the fight. Everybody wanted. So my one one quibble with this whole thing, because obviously this Grand Prix is great. I love Grand Prix. Let's do them all the time really pumped for Bellator's light heavyweight one that's about to kick off here in just a hot minute Uh, the one problem is that uh, we did ultimately get the end point that everybody kind of just wanted so it does sort of beg the question how necessary these other fights were because we really just wanted to see AJ McKee versus Patricio Pitbull, and it took us like a year and a half to get the fight that we all kind of wanted. That being said, the way we did get there, Pitbull uh, two finishes out of his three fights, I believe, because uh, Juan Archuleta hit the cards with him, but Juan Archuleta is also really, really freaking good. Uh, and McKee just, again, blew the bricks off everybody he faced, uh, so there's even more hype for this fight. Like that is maybe my most anticipated fight of, uh, I assume that that happens this year. So of the year, like there's not going to be a lot more fights that I, I'm more interested in than that one.
3: All right. That that's the, I'm glad you said that Jed, because we got Pitbull versus McKee. It's the fight. Everybody wanted to see when this whole thing started. And, you know, like you said, it took a while to get here, mostly because we had a freaking pandemic that shut everything down. Uh, but we're here. So let me ask you, Jed, because you kind of mentioned We know this is a big fight. This is probably the biggest fight Bellator can make right now. But when you think of, like, all the big fights Bellator has had over the years, the builds to these fights, where do you rank this one overall in terms of, like, how big this fight actually is, like the stakes, the anticipation, et cetera? Like, are you willing to say this is a top five biggest fight Bellator can make in like company history? Like, is that a crazy question to ask right now?
4: No, I think that's totally fair. Uh, Biggest is obviously a subjective term. And my one sort of caveat to doing any of this, like, I think from a competitive standpoint, this is maybe the best fight they've ever put together and they've got a couple of really good ones there especially some kind of champion versus champion style fights that they've done uh diego Lima and musasi like that's a really high level skill fight i mean pitbull chandler um really high level fight there but i mean i think this is as far as like in wake like interweight class this is amongst the best fights they've ever had in that regard I am not entirely sure how big it is from a promotional standpoint. Obviously, this is the culmination of the Grand Prix. This is their their greatest fighter ever against the, the hot prospect in the sport. I think there's a lot to get behind here, but I'm not entirely sure how much the, the general public is pumped for this fight. Neither guy really has a huge following in that regard. So, uh, you know, if you want to go biggest, it probably pales behind, I mean, certainly uh, some of the other kind of marquee names that they've had come through come through the doors of Bellator. But as far as the combination of high-level mixed martial arts, uh, names that matter, kind of what this means as far as, and frankly, the winner of this could potentially be the best featherweight in the world. Like Jose said, loath to give him credit, but he is right in this regard at least. We're never going to actually know the answer to that. But I think all those factors together, that makes this, to me, definitely one of their top five fights in promotional history.
3: Agree or disagree, Jose? Is this a top five fight ever in Bellator? Like, again, and I know – I know who I'm speaking with right now, and I know, especially in this day and age, the fight isn't a fight until both guys enter the cage and the ring announcer does the ring announcing, and, you know, we get a bell, okay? I understand all of that, but in terms of, let's just say everything's rosy, we get to the fight, all those things happen. Is this a top five fight in Bellator history? In terms of competitive and competitiveness, 100%. I'd probably put it right up there
5: with, like, the Michael Chandler, Eddie Alvarez rematch, even the trilogy that was supposed to... Happened, but never obviously fell apart. Pitbull Chandler kind of felt like a fight for the greatest Bellator fighter of all time, considering they were that was a champ champ fight. And then, but in terms of like the casual fans looking in, I hate to agree with my my opponent, but it's not quite there yet. When you have fights like uh, what Kimbo Slice, Ken Shamrock, Kimbo Slice, uh, Dada Five Thousand, Hoyce Gracie, Ken Best Shamrock, like any Fedor fight, so. Uh, probably not going to get the eyeballs that those fight happens, and I'm not going to put it in neck. Well, I didn't put Dada 5,000 versus Kimbo life on the greatest competitive fights of all time, because that kind of transcends the sport of mixed martial arts, and you kind of have to just look at that as an outlier uh, rather than a fight, because that was more of a uh, a once in a lifetime moment. So, yes, competitively, one, yes, 100% competitively, easily top five, maybe top two uh this is just a culmination of a perfect storm but in terms of the casual fans tuning in i don't think it's gonna reach the masses unfortunately
3: what can bellator do like me and ak on on to the next one we we basically said like they need to like do that put that stare down on all these cards moving forward for like the next several weeks like just pump it and then by the time we get to may 7th which is like the best card of all of them, because we got the Bantamweight title fight. We got, you know, Apache Mix versus James Gallagher. We got Yoel Romero versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. They just added Valeria Lareda, who's becoming a star for them, to that card. Like, that's – on that card, I believe, like, they should have the date ready to go for Pitbull McKee and start building that fight now. So, if you're Bellator, Jose, how do we get people – Bought into this thing, like get them on board. Like this is such a good fight. What can they do to get that audience to get on board as much as like you, me, the hardcore fans, etc.?
5: They need to get on bigger broadcast. They need to get on ESPNs. They need to get up, get on like before, like we like one championship we just saw. They have all their fighters showing up on NBA on TNT like you see Demetrius Johnson Eddie Alvarez like rolling with Shaq and Charles Barkley so people that only watch the NBA are now going to see these things we are seeing the same thing with the AEW wrestling where you're, you're you're they're showing up on these big major networks with these big major superstars Bellator needs to do that they also need to just buy all of the ad space possible for all these upcoming boxing matches like imagine seeing AJ McKee and Patricio Pipple in commercials leading up to the Canelo Billy Joe Saunders fight that's what they got to do they just have to go balls out and put all of the marketing behind it help buy one like i remember when i went to a ufc fan expo world series of fighting bought a truck with i think it was like jake shields and who small on the on, it was one of those trucks it was just a billboard truck and they literally just drove in a circle around the the ufc fan apex do that park one outside the ufc apex i mean chris cyborg did that when amanda nunes fought do everything possible help buy a tank dx style and roll into the umc <laughs> apex and just park it in front of it just do whatever you want do whatever you can to steal some of these eyeballs because like we all and also put all of the fighters sign Alistair over in junior santos and have them rematch in the co-main event i don't care fill this card up and make it a priority don't make this a one fight card like we like bellator has been known to do load it up put as many possible fights that aren't in grand Prix. Or pot or title fights and stick it on this card and get as many eyes as possible watching AJ McKee produce the football and then put them out there, run them through the car wash at ESPN, get the tank, get the truck, put them on everything. Just go do whatever you can. Hell, buy ad space for Fight Circus Three. Maybe Jed will wear that T-shirt too, and then we can move forward from there.
3: I was gonna say Jed and like for the phone boot fight, you just put like a picture of Pitbull on one piece of the phone booth and you put a picture of AJ McKee on the other piece of the phone booth like how would you do this like what does Bellator need to do to like get just milk everything out of this fight
4: I think Jose touched on something at the end there which is they need to get me involved because I will be an irrational cheerleader for bad MMA so maybe they could get me to be an irrational cheerleader for good MMA Um, more seriously they just they need to promote and I this is it's it's really infuriating to me in a lot of ways (laughs) that we have to discuss like promotion as if it's a novelty and not the core responsibility of these organizations, because the UFC has never really done a great job of promoting anybody except for themselves. And Bellator seemingly kind of has a similar vibe in a lot of ways. Like, I think a lot of things previously mentioned are good. You can't go all in on this just because even if you do, I actually like if you go all the way in and leverage every single piece of anything you have for this fight, one that creates the opportunity for like uh, a Kimbo, Seth Petruzzelli just cataclysmically awful thing to happen. No contest ruins the taste for everybody Two, at that point, you really are kind of hoping AJ McKee wins because Pipple is a little older. Pipple may be closing in on that period of the time where he decides he wants to leave the organization, try his hand in the UFC before his career kind of starts to turn. So you're really hoping AJ McKee wins that, and that, that's a bit of a gamble. But uh, every every card you have, this needs to be front and center. You need to be talking about it. You need to have that stare down like you mentioned. Uh, I think you do need to branch out with your promotion and just build it like promotion requires you to get people interested in a myriad of ways and they need to do that. Uh, I'm not as sold on the idea that they should get in front of like all these boxing cards, I think some of that will help. I think absolutely doing the media push, making you know ESPN cover this more just to get as many casual eyeballs in front of something as possible. that's gonna help. I think you do have to pair it. you don't necessarily need to really backload a card with major like all the stars, but you need to pair it with the biggest star you can proffer. like obviously Kimbo RIP, like he would have been the optimal person to put on a card like this. But without him, maybe you can get Fedor. I'm not sure that that's doable or that that's where you want to go. Chris Cyborg might be like the the excellent kind of middle ground there of somebody who's going to draw eyeballs uh, for ancillary reasons to get them on this. And then be creative. Like. Pay hey, UFC fighters to talk about Bellator in their interviews. You can't put a Bellator logo on them because we're going to talk about shitty venom in like a hot minute here. But you could be like, hey, John Jones, what have you just tweeted about Bellator a lot? You want to tweet, you really like to tweet, and most of it's trash. What if in the middle of you doing these bad tweets you also were just like, Man, I'm really pumped about the Fedway Grand Prix? Like get creative with it. Get more people interested, because this is this is what you do it for. In the end, if AJ McKee wins, he is a bankable star. And if Pimple wins, he's your best fighter ever. You wanna have as much behind him as you can get in a lot of respects.
3: Last thing on this, we've already had discussions on this show and it was mentioned a couple of times with both of you guys about like where these guys would rank in the world at 145, you know, depending on who wins, but you know, we got this fight coming up on the other side, the UFC has a featherweight title, that's fight that's going to be coming up, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega, who, you know, after Volkanovsky caught COVID, he's been recovering from that, his story is just unbelievable, but he and Ortega are now going to host Yes, the return of the ultimate fighter, and that's going to build up their title fight later on the air. And Normally it's the UFC, and then there's like everybody else in terms of interest in most people's eyes with this sport. And when Bellator or PFL or One or Triller or even Fight Circus can take some of that shine, it's a pretty big deal. So Jose, has Bellator done that at 145? Like is this title fight in your eyes more interesting than Volkanovski versus Ortega?
5: Hmm. More interesting?
3: I'm not more interested, but I'm also, like,
5: I just, they're right on par with each other in my mind. And I know everyone's going to say, like, that's a cop-out, this and that. I can convince myself either way that I'm more interested at the time because I think, honestly, a win, two wins over Max Holloway is more impressive than a win over AJ McKee in my mind, uh, especially for Pitbull, and those seem to be the two, that a lot of people, like the three Holloway, Volkanovsky, and Pitbull, like who's the best featherweight in the world. And I just think... As much as I think Patricio Pitbull is fantastic, he's sitting right behind Volkanovsky and Holloway because Holloway's performance against Cater just gave more shine to how good Alexander Volkanovsky is, that he not only survived Max Holloway's output but beat him twice. And yes, we can argue that he lost the second fight and maybe even the first fight, but an L is an L. Uh, So I don't know. I really – I don't really care one way or another which one's more interesting to me because both of them have storylines for different reasons. AJ McKee's undefeated. Brian Ortega pieced up the Korean Zombie in a fight that I thought Korean Zombie would would absolutely dominate on the feet. Uh, Volkanovski obviously two and Ogan's Holloway produced spitball, the greatest fighter in Bellator history, and has knocked out everyone, including Michael Chandler. And I, I can convince myself either way. So uh, they're right neck and neck with me, and at at this moment in time, I can't decide.
3: Jed, what about you? You've you've made your uh, your presence felt about how you feel about Brian Ortega, and you know, you know, you're not quite convinced he, it's just him and Stepe are just two of those guys for you. But I mean, like when you look at these fights, like which one interests you more? Is it Volkanovski versus Ortega or is it Pitbull versus McKee?
4: It's definitely Volkanovsky or Ortega. Like, look, don't get me wrong. Uh, Pitbull, Pitbull McKee, one of my most anticipated fights this year. For all the a lot of other reasons, and the N cage product will be fascinating. Uh, if the winner of that is not going to be the best featherweight in the world, like I mean, we can argue that maybe they could be, and that is technically true. Like, we don't know, and I, we can't say for a fact that the winner of that won't be. But Alexander Volkanovsky, this is about to hurt me really hard to say because I'm about as big a Jose Aldo mark as you can find. Uh, I think Volkanovski has a very good chance to be the greatest featherweight of all time. Uh, and I do not say that lightly because Jose Aldo is clearly the best featherweight of all time. John Annick, you're friggin' insane. And I wish you'd quit saying it was Max Holloway. It's clearly Jose Aldo. Uh, and Volkanovski has all the tools to get there. Uh, and Ortega is. Look, I I don't like Brian Ortega. Not personally. He actually seems like a great dude, but I don't understand him as a fighter, and so I hate him because I cannot figure (laughs) him out. Uh, And because I can't figure him out, and also maybe just because of what I can understand about him, I think he's the most interesting uh, test for Volkanovski. Holloway in the rematch was super impressive, the way he adjusted Uh, that uh, came with a new game plan and provided more looks and a more difficult test for Volkanovski, that was awesome. If they had a a trilogy fight, I have no doubt that Volkanovski wins it again because Volkanovski is one of, if not the best in this sport, at making in-fight mid-round adjustments, at seeing what his opponents are doing and adjusting to it in a a tangible and effective way. And and that's what we saw in the rematch. Holloway came out with a whole new strategy. His stance was different. Everything he was doing was different. It took Volkanovski about two rounds to really key in on that. And then as the fight built on, Volkanovski won. I've made this analogy several times. Bolkanovsky is—he's like the casino. Like, if you just play the numbers with him, you are going to lose over an extended period of time. So, like, maybe you can outpoint him over five rounds. It's going to be hellaciously difficult to do that. The way you're, anyone's ever going to beat him because of how how talented he is, his skills, his adjustments. Like, you're just going to need to have one big piece of offense. And as much as I don't understand Brian Ortega, he—that is what he does best. He has one dynamic piece of offense. He loses a shitload of fights and then wins them in dramatic, violent fashion. That's what you need against a guy like Volkanovski, and that that dynamic is the most interesting possible to me because if anyone's going to uh, kick over that apple cart, I kind of think it's Ortega. Uh, and if he does, then I'm going to hate everything. But it, that's really fascinating. I can't deny that That like I'm really, really interested to see that happen
3: course uh Bellator back again tomorrow Bellator 256 that one's headlined by the start of the light heavyweight grand prix between Ryan Bader and uh Leota Machida. I thought Bellator 255 was was fun. The Ode to Strike Force that opened to the main card was tremendous. I thought all in all it was a it was a really good night for Bellator but we'll move ahead to how One Championship's first event on TNT played out last night but the point for round 1 goes to The ringmaster of the fight circus himself, Jed Mishu on the board, one to nothing. A fun opening round, but... uh...
0: We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit
1: only on draftkings the crown is yours
3: I mean, depending on who you speak with, not so fun. Last night, one on TNT1, the main card kicks off with former UFC lightweight champion, a multi-time champion, almost every organization he's fought for. Eddie Alvarez takes on Yuri Lapakis. Alvarez lands a takedown. He's throwing a barrage of punches and strikes. Lapakis grabs the back of his head. He goes down to the mat. Referee Justin Brown calls a stop to the action, pulls the red card, and Eddie Alvarez is disqualified. What an unfortunate start to the one on TNT era, but Jed Mishu, your reaction to the DQ, how this all played out? I mean, we've seen so many crazy endings already in 2021. How did you react to this crazy ending?
4: Yeah, that was unfortunate for one. Um, Just... Real, real quick, shout out to one who put all their promotional heft behind Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez and then Eddie gets himself DQ'd and DJ gets bolted. Just, what a, uh, the MMA gods are fickle as hell and it's funny as shit. Like, every time somebody's really trying to take a swing, they just, they just slip on the world's biggest banana peel and that was awesome. Uh, as far as the DQ goes, I have... No idea if that was legit or not. Uh, to be clear, I'm sure that Lapalus was hurt. I do not know that those punches were to the back of the head. Uh, they, Many of them did not look like that. Maybe a couple were. How actually efficacious those were, like how, how much those affected him are questionable to me just because of the manner they were thrown. Their arm punches didn't really look like he hit a lot. Uh, there. So I'm, I'm just not really sure. I didn't like it. Uh, I think, you know, my stance has always been, if you do something and it's illegal, you should lose the fight if the guy can't continue. So on that ground, sure. I question, this is not a, a, a Pyotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling clear cut illegality. I have serious questions about how legal those strikes were, but end of the day the ref is the arbiter he pulled the red card said they were illegal so the dq is fine uh just really unfortunate and not anybody's idea of good
3: jose your thoughts and on top of that just hearing Chachri say you know what i've watched the fight upon further review yeah eddie landed some illegal shots like what did you think of this whole situation My God, what a – it
5: was just absolute tomfoolery (laughs) and skullduggery all around. Like it's unfortunate because like Chatri. We've we've all seen the interviews where he like he promotes his style of promoting was like we are re, like we are legitimate martial arts and we promote like uh, like respect and honor and this and that and then the first fight on TNT is a disqualification for a fighter breaking the rules like just steer into the crash right there and then Eddie Alvarez. thought his promotion headset, was
4: saying they get a billion views is, is that not right?
5: Well, there's lines in the promotion uh, uh, <laughs> and then Eddie Alvarez's headset didn't work. Did you, I don't know if you guys saw that, but his headset didn't even work, so they're trying to ask him questions. And he's just standing there, like, with his arms folded, looking like he didn't want to be there. So their big fighter that was just rolling around with Shaq on NBA on TNT and getting this big rub gets his, gets himself disqualified. All the fighters say it's ridiculous, and it's a, it's a ridiculous disqualification. And then they have audio issues right out of the gate. Like, it is just unfortunate, absolutely all around. Eddie's what? Eddie Alvarez is what? Like, oh, what is he? Like, one one in two in one championship. And one of them, he gets like destroyed in the first fight and then he gets himself disqualified in his third fight. So Eddie Alvarez is just snake bin at this point fighting for one championship. It's, It's unfortunate, it's ridiculous, and the fact that it's happening so close to the Peter Jan, Aljamain Sterling disqualification, and Aljamain Sterling is now congratulating Yuri, saying like, congratulations, you've graduated from Aljamain Sterling's acting classes, and this and that. It's just like a perfect storm of crap that's all happening in the MMA world right now, and I really hope that the payoff is nothing bad happens at UFC 261, because that would be real unfortunate if one of those fights uh, got disqualified too, but I feel bad for Eddie, I feel bad for yuri sucks fat happened to one championship but them's the breaks kids you break a rule you get disqualified i would have preferred maybe a yellow card if they're going to do this whole card system thing a lot of fighters were saying like how come we didn't get warrens and this and that i get it just sucks all around
4: did you did you see jds's tweet because that's my favorite one Uh, i didn't see it Oh, some dude was like, he got punched in the back of the head. He's like, yeah, imagine getting elbowed in the back of the head. It's terrible. It's like, <laughs> dude, you are really hanging on to, I lost to Siogane because I got elbowed in the back of the head, not because I got obliterated right before that. Okay, keep, <laughs> keep beating that dead horse.
3: A lot, uh, of, lot of fun
4: fighter takes from last night.
3: Yes, I, I did see some of them. I did miss the JDS one, but uh, I will say I, I spoke very briefly to Justin Brown, the referee, this morning. He's not able to comment about anything that happened last night. He would be cool with it, but he hasn't really like cleared it with one, so we don't know what he was thinking, and he's not even willing to tell me about it off the record, which is fine, but so all this is happening. We're trying to digest it all, and by the way, one thing I will say about one, the pacing of the card last night was outstanding. So continue to do that, and we'll all be very happy, even though there's only three fights on it. But after all this happens, we get to the flyweight title fight between Adrian, Adriana Marías and Demetrius Johnson, the former UFC flyweight king. And despite being around a five to one dog, Marías knocks DJ out with a brutal knee in the second round—a legal knee to a grounded opponent. And after DJ's interview with us ahead of the fight, talking about the Jan versus Aljo ending and how much he likes. Strikes to the knees to grounded opponents, so they should change the rules. That was just wild to see. But Jose Marias was a really sne- sneaky pick amongst the MMA betting community last night, and he comes through in a big way for them. What did you make of his performance, and what stood out to you in the fight outside of him just kneeing DJ unconscious?
5: What stood out to me was the fact that he was like seven, eight inches taller than Demetrius Johnson. <laughs> like, and then they showed the video of them hugging in the bag. Don't tell me they're the same weight class. Like Mark, like Adriano's clearly cut down to 135, and Demetrius Johnson's just get like standing up from playing Dark Souls, walking into the cage and fighting his big brother. Like that's what happened. Demetrius Johnson, it just shows that you can be the greatest fighter of all time in your weight class, arguably the greatest fighter in the history of the sport. But you add a new set of rules that you don't you haven't fought with for most of your career. And then you on top of that, you have a guy that's like seven inches taller than you, who's heavier than you, has an elite level black belt elite level grappling and you can now and you can get blasted in the face when your butt's on the ground like it's just it's it's like Demetrius it it just shows that one championship is a completely different ball game uh for MMA and I think a lot of people that watch the Peter Jan Aljo fight and then they come and then they tune into one championship like oh I like MMA I'll watch one on TNT it's on national television and then they see that and they're saying why is this not a disqualification if Eddie got disqualified oh how can Peter Jan got disqualified but Uh, Adriano didn't get disqualified. It's just more questions for the casual fan <laughs> that no one is going to be able to answer because then they to be like, wait, what do you mean there's 50 different athletic commissions in the United States? What do you mean there's all these rule sets, not even just the United States, but all over the world? How come we can't do Sarkic? Remember I saw that guy Shogun stomping on a guy's head and Mark Hunt dropping his butt on Vanderlei. So what do you mean there are new rules? So didn't help the casual fans. The guy they put their entire promotional juice behind got just smashed by a fight that uh, in a, with a technique that he was arguing for. And then a guy that is clearly a whole weight class bigger than him one doesn't speak the best english either if i'm one i'm probably a little upset but you might have a star in adriana Moraes who's who could who could be the face of your promotion moving forward if you can uh, get the language thing all situated all that but bizarre and very one championship is how i would describe the outcome of that fight
3: jed what were your thoughts and also uh, the fact that Demetrius Johnson argued for the rules to be changed before the fight and then even yeah. afterwards said, yeah, you should still change them. They, they should still fit. It's okay. Steer, steer into it, man. That's, a that's the
5: thing. Steer
4: into it. Yeah, I love DJ's it. DJ's a king. Live by the down knee, die by the down knee. He even said that because I wrote that up for the site this morning. Like He said, yeah, man, uh, Yuya, um, shit, I am blanking on his name, uh, Watu, Yuya, whatever, dude, he fought in the first time, he fought in One, he bolted him with the knee to the head. He was just like, yeah, I I won with that. Just because I lost doesn't make it a bad or too dangerous of a technique. It's a good one. DJ's a king uh, and should be respected as such. Uh, My opponent gave a very rambly answer that covered a lot of ground, but he did end at the right point, which is it was extremely one championship. The whole thing is uh, just like two steps of legitimacy up from Fight Circus. It's very clown show in a lot of ways uh, that they there's a clear weight class called flyweight that the rest of the world operates under and acknowledges. But one has just decided that their flyweight will be 135 because of I think there's something to do with the nebulous weight cutting rules that that everybody thinks are good. But we actually don't really have a ton of clarity on what actually goes down there. So you end up with the greatest flyweight of all time having a flyweight fight against a dude who's clearly enormous and <laughs> that's the result like dj gets bolted and now is gonna get a lot of shine uh to touch on another thing it was ridiculous that Marias was that big of an underdog given all the stuff we just talked about and then finally just nobody really is talking about it Adrian Marias looked freaking phenomenal last night like I know that people are talking about it to some extent because he did beat DJ, but, like, the thing we need to remember, this dude is is primarily a grappler. He's a really high-level ground fighter, and DJ is no slouch on the feet. Like, he's talked about wanting to do some kickboxing in one. He also he has uh, the big knockout of Joseph Benavidez. He's not, like, the world's cleanest or most effective striker, but he is very schooled there, very uh, aware and, and able there and Morais put the wood to him man like dropped him with that uppercut shovel punch and then finished him with the coffin nail like Morais is going to be in a huge problem for anybody like that's a weight that we're not going to see in the ufc anytime soon but that sucks because that dude could give anybody in the top five their big problems
3: yeah let's let's trade for that guy i'd be interested to see for real. him in the ufc um So it's, it's kind of interesting because we've, we've seen words like we've both of you use words like unfortunate and negative and very one championship, but, and Jed, like the Alvarez loss kind of rough because it was so controversial. And one, as Jose said, obviously has invested a lot. I mean, a lot in DJ from everything I've been told, but considering the attention, the promotion has gotten since last night. And as sucky as the Alvarez thing was, would you consider last night a win? For one championship because let's just be honest here if dj went in got a five round decision over adrian Marías, and eddie alvarez beat yuri beat yuri last night are we even talking about this on the show right now Ultimately, it's a
4: win, but it's one of those wins where you're like, you're walking gingerly for the next couple of days afterwards. Like, you you know you were in a fight, and that that's kind of what they take here. Because Adriano Moraes can, can kind of be the standard bearer for them. He's going to get a bit of a bump here, um, you know, knocking out arguably the GOAT in emphatic fashion. That's going to give anybody a boost. They are getting a little bit more traction because of the peculiarities of last night. And then ultimately... They put on a good card. Like that, it was well paced. You got high name, like high name value, good, decent action. The thing that is the problem, it's not the DJ loss. It's the problem, honestly. The DJ loss, even even that, like that's probably good. That's a net good because if the anything didn't happen, we'd still be talking the ground knee thing because it's interesting. DJ said beforehand, hey, we should allow these, and then it's got by his own design like that that's an interesting angle that would be continued to talk about the eddie thing is what sucks because they have invested in eddie too like they they clearly want eddie alvarez to be something for them and he is just not going to be that based on the outcomes of his fights like and it's just never good to have a no contest or a draw in a situation like that like it's it's just like even a loss would have been better for them. Like a, a clean loss would have been better as opposed to a DQ. Like that's just, it's going to leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth. It's not great. And that's your first exposure to one. You got to, got to claw your way out of that
3: hole. What do you think Jose? Was this a, was this a win for one championship? Cause even like as bad as the whole Eddie situation was most people around the world, are praising Eddie Alvarez they're universally on his side they think in their minds he won by first round TKO last night even though the record book says otherwise
5: I mean they were fought on like in terms of the like the entire promotion yeah it's a win uh they were on one they were on TNT in the United States so now they can start bragging that they have what like a hundred million United U.S. fans watching or whatever and remember how UFC on Fox went JDS won in like no, 60 US- seconds and
4: Go the U.S. Ahead. has actual Nielsen ratings, so they can't—they can't lie about their viewership. They got like 190. I saw it somewhere. In, in a world bad, where, a,
5: in, in a world where a certain president convinced half of our country that tomfoolery and lizards run the world, I would not be surprised they if don't. half of our country believes one championship's number. So, anyway. Um, Yeah, remember what UFC on Fox happened? JDS won 60 seconds and everyone thought the sky was falling because, oh, Kane lost. Oh, the fight was only 60 seconds, blah, blah, blah. And then UFC on ESPN won. That fight card was meh. Like Cynthia Calvillo and Courtney Casey was meh. And then Paul Felder and James Vick was a good fight. And then Paul Felder punctured his lung. And then Francis Ngannou ate Kane Velasquez's soul in about 60 seconds, and the entire arena just walked out. So they had an empty arena uh, on the na- on national television for their first ESPN card, and those worked out just fine. I think what's going to be telling is how they rebound after this in terms of fight and promotion and everything, because like we said, uh, they put so much eggs into the Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnson basket. That didn't work out for them. So moving forward, how are they going to uh, survive in the next two, three cards? On TNT, but inevitably, it's a major win getting on cable ne- cable TV in the United States. And one, I'm sure one championship is is happy, not happy with the results of the fights, but ha- just happy overall with the promotion.
3: Yep, and they'll be back next Wednesday. One on TNT, two Christian Lee versus Timothy Nasty Yukin, uh for the lightweight title at 170 pounds. Uh, we'll headline they need to that one. Change
4: that but... start time though, dude. Like you can't be doing 10 p.m. on a school night. Like that's just that's just not gonna fly. <laughs> you need to just need to lower. It's that only like count, three fights,
3: though.
5: We get I mean, rug, got rug, we got rug, rug
4: on the prelims. That's three fights, and not. they only
5: and they started at seven p.m. Sir, not
4: ten. PM. Uh, Eastern Standard is the standard by which the U.S. runs, so the world runs. Mm. So you can't be doing it at ten p.m. like that. That's capping your viewership. Like nobody's staying up late on a Wednesday night for a sport that they don't care about or, like, nominal fans of. Like, you got to hit a 9 p.m. start window.
5: Sounds like you guys got to so move you, to the left coast. Then, well you then can what watch do you do with the wrestling wrestling. at a reasonable time, too?
4: I mean, move the wrestling back? I, I'm unclear how that won't work. I just – they are not maximizing their viewership potential at a 10 p.m. start I, time.
5: I don't think it would be the worst thing to put it maybe before AEW because, remember, we would always complain about Bellator leading the cops – now you have a built-in thing where, like, one championship can lead right into AEW. So imagine people tuning into AEW get to see the end of a, that DJ fight. I think that would be the better solution right there.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough because the fights aren't happening in the U.S. They're happening in Asia. So it's very true. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Props the to Casey Lyden. That wasn't my good point.
4: Eastern time zone. So, like, I don't care if they yeah. have to fight at 4 a.m. The UFC does it all the time.
3: that's true but all in all all in all interesting start to this new chapter for uh, our friends at one championship but the point for round two goes to the man with not just one six shirt but a whole closet full of them Jose Youngs has tied up the ball game one to one I can have
4: a whole closet full of six shirts too you'll know you'll know my life Mike (laughs)
3: You could, but you didn't tell me that. Jose told the world that, and uh, we have to take him at his word. But listen, we've talked Bellator, we've talked one. Now we got to talk the UFC. They are back this Saturday on ABC, UFC Vegas 23. This one headlined by Marvin Vittor, excuse me, Marvin Vittorio versus Kevin Holland. Holland stepping in for the injured Darren Till. We discussed this new headliner moments after we confirmed it live on the program last week. We all sort of agreed that this was fine. This is kind of the best they could do on on short notice, and I I like this fight. I like the heat there. It'll be interesting once they weigh in and do the face-offs, etc. But, Jose, now that we're less than 48 hours away from this card going down, we had no UFC event last week, I guess, where would you rank your intrigue levels for this main event and for this card in general on a scale of 1 to 10, and why do you feel the way you feel? On
5: a scale of 1 to 10, for the main event, 5? Like, it is what it is. It's just like you said, it's the best they could do. I was super, obviously, I was like 10 out of 10 intrigued by Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori. That's unfortunately not happening. And the fact that Darren Till and Marvin are still talking about each other on social media and press conferences just makes me more interested in that fight. Kevin Holland is just a fill-in right now. And, yes, Kevin Holland on ABC should be exciting, especially because Marvin and is not going to fight like Derek Brunson. So it should be a more exciting fight. But in terms of interest, it's like 5 out of five out of 10, I guess. The rest of the card is awesome. I actually do like this card. Arnold Allen, Sadiq Yousef is a freaking banger. I'm 10 out of 10 excited for that. Two, I don't even consider them featherweights right now, Yousef and uh, – uh, Allen are, are two of the more promising pro- fighters of 145 from two different parts of the world. Of course, Siddiq Yusef from Nigeria, which is an area that U- the UFC is really promoting right now, and Arnold Allen uh, is, from the, is from the UK. Uh, he seems to be the next big, bright fighter coming out of that area. And then, of course, Nina Nunes, not Nina Ansaroff, returning after giving birth to their daughter, be- facing Mackenzie Dern, who I, who just spoke with you, said so she has this big plan for 2021, and that starts uh, that starts on Saturday. And then, of course, I'm excited for my Twitter mentions to just blow up when Mike Perry steps in the <laughs> octagon, because every time Mike Perry fights, the entire world has to let me know, and apparently they don't know that me and Mike Perry have squashed the beef and shook hands on it, and he apologized for being very rude to me that one time in Denver. So, yes, I am very, very excited for this fight. Jim. I'm always down to watch Jim Miller fight, always down to watch John Modesi fight, all those cats. I actually ran into Hunter Azure not too long ago, and he was like, I'm fighting someone named Jack Shore. I don't know if you heard of him. I'm like, dude, you're going to be in for a long time. Long night yeah. if you're already kind of overlooking jack shore <laughs> right now so yeah color that's me awesome. interested in this card all around for sure
3: all right jed what do you think where, where where's your intrigue levels at he's five for the main event he's 10 for the rest where are you at
4: i love i love as you're just not knowing about the work he's about to get <laughs> that's fantastic look uh my thoughts on this card can be boiled down to a couple of simple things one i think this is actually a better main event because like uh, Brian Ortega and Steve Miocic, Darren Till's bad. He's he has one convincing win over anybody of note, and that's Cowboy. So I don't know why he keeps falling upwards, but he f- found himself in another fight against like a very top ranked middleweight that I assumed he was going to get worked in because he doesn't win fights that matter. Uh, so this is better because Kevin Holland has at least actually beaten. Uh, A good middleweight as opposed to just, like, winning a very questionable decision over one. So there's that. Uh, The rest of this card, Jose went through a lot of these fights, but most of them are really good. We were talking about this off-air beforehand. This is a card that, like, it's an ABC card, and it actually feels a lot like that. Just the main event isn't bringing the sauce. Uh, like what this fight needs is we need to not have three title fights on the pay per view. One, it's a waste of time anyway because Usman all is going to draw. So like you don't need to overstack that card. That's going to do just fine business on its own. But like you should just pulled one of those for this card. Like put Valentina Shevchenko on ABC. In like her best fight in years, like that, that would make this thing pop. As it stands, this is uh, a card that is destined to underwhelm sort of the casual viewer, but is filled with really good fights. the The co-main event is honestly phenomenal, like Sadiq Yusuf and Arnold Allen. That that fight is going to be great, really high-level mixed martial arts. Everything else here is going on. I don't know why uh, Jose decided he wanted to stop when you get to the heavyweight fun fest that is Jarvis Dano, because that man is going to find a comical way to get knocked out. It's going to be awesome. Um, but, like, the rest of it is whatever. The other, like, the big problem, like, the, the overarching problem with the UFC in general, but especially with this card, it's 14 friggin' fights, man. Why? We don't need 14 fights. You could cut four off this card and nobody would be sad about it other than those fighters in the fights and their immediate family. we got to stop doing this. I would love to have free time. Like, as a, as a person who covers it, I have to. But as a fan, like, you should just want them to not do this shit. This is way too many fights for a card that isn't that good. That or at least isn't gonna bring that many eyeballs. Just cut it down. Let's let's keep it moving because like that was one of the best parts about one. It was quick. We we got in. We got out. Everything was fantastic. I would love that to be happening here. Instead, we have eight hours of fighting. Only like four of it do we actually care about.
3: All right. Well, I mean, you mentioned some fights. You mentioned the uh, the heavyweight fight, which is always fun. Is that is is the decastro Donho fight is is that your deep cut or or are we looking no, no. somewhere else I, that I, I could steal the show?
4: I mean that's that's probably a deep cut just because like nobody's talking about Jorgen DeCastro versus George Stano for a good reason, mind you. I don't want to pretend like you should be talking about this fight. I'm the guy wearing a fight circus t-shirt. Of course that's the kind of, kind of stuff that I'm gonna get get my jollies up, up with. But, like, the fight I am low-key the most looking forward to, you know where I'm going with it, baby. It's middleweight. And we're going to have the middlingest middleweight fight that's been since the last time I talked about a middleweight fight on this show. On the main card, Sam Alvey, who is just a a very interesting character of inside and outside of the cage. He's taking Julian Marquez on Marquez. Maybe has the worst fight IQ of anybody I've ever seen, like ever in fighting. And this fight is going to look like, uh, Sam Alvey, not doing anything for a really long time and somehow still winning this fight for like 13 minutes. And then Julian Marquez is going to knock him out somehow with like two to go. It's going to be awesome and comically terrible in the best way possible that is easily the thing I'm the most looking forward to from a uh, ridiculous standpoint.
3: All right, Jose, what's your deep cut fight fighter uh, or storyline that could steal the show on Saturday afternoon in in beautiful. Las- oh, actually Saturday morning in Las Vegas, super early, 8 30 AM start time over there
5: yeah well the mike perry daniel rodriguez fight regardless of what people think my feelings are on mike perry that fight absolutely rules but that's not really a deep cut uh the first fight of the night imbukesangane versus uh sasha not even gonna try to pronounce his last name imbukesangane of course was on the receiving end of that very violent uh head kick knockout by walking buckley the one that everyone saw kanye west even remix so anytime you can tie kanye west in the sport of anything. People are going to be talking about it. So this is his first fight back. And I actually, I run MMA Fighting's Instagram page. And Sasha comments on almost everything we post. And it's usually arguing against the fighters. So if, like, a fighter is saying, like, I want more money, Sasha's like, well, then don't sign the contract. It seems it's very (laughs) not what you would expect a fighter to say. So I'm very much looking forward to watching him fight just because I felt like I've i have interacted with this man so much, and none of it has been through Jose Young's. It's been all through MMA Fighting's Instagram page. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And then my opponent brought up Sam Alvey, who just fought to a draw on Fight Island. The guy he fought to a draw is fighting so much further down the card. He was like, he's what? Uh, Dangun Jung was what 15 and two at when he fought Sam Alvey or something like that. Had like 12, 13 fights wins in a row with a bunch of knock, couple knockouts in the UFC fight sam alvy to your draw because sam alvy is the most bizarre fighter in like the middle way he's going to what's that a middleweight life regardless whatever it is it, it's weird it's weird it's a real weird situation william knight of course is, a, is an interesting cat too um just a weird weird couple fights to uh kick off the main card and i am very much looking forward to
3: it. the, the, the Sa- I mean. sasha Palatnikov.
5: Yes. He's always commenting on it on our Instagram pages, and it's always something I would not expect a fighter to say. Like, he was arguing against John Jones or something that I'm like, this is, I don't understand. You should man, expect like, fighters whatever.
4: to say that. John Jones should be argued against on Principle.
5: Fair.
1: <laughs>
5: he also about gets in, like, anyone that gets in arguments on Instagram comments is just a. Uh, a, another level of human that i've just i don't relate to whatsoever and he does it so much on our page that i just have to see him fight now
3: there you go that fight 107 and i drop into 170 for that one so 11 30 eastern we'll see what happens that means our pre-fight show is going down at 11 a.m eastern time so get your coffee ready nice nice bright and early on saturday preview show tomorrow of course we'll have you covered for that card but uh Point for round three goes to. I mean, there's just no way I can go against Jed on that on that answer for his deep cut. It was just so no good.
4: I mean, that fight's just gonna be ridiculous. <laughs> like the most bizarre fighter versus the dude with the worst fight IQ. There's no way the outcome isn't hilarious
3: well listen now he's got that marquez now has that that james Krause cheat code so he's already got one fight down see what he can do and i didn't even
4: mention the fact that marquez is gonna win and he's probably gonna have some real weird miley cyrus follow-up shit to come in like that fight is gonna be bananas
6: yes it will yes who else support for this show comes from atlassian atlassian software like Jira, confluence and loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, at Atlassian.com. That's A T L A S S I A N.com. Atlassian.
3: So, speaking of bananas, we head to the final round of regulation, and the UFC in Venom era has officially begun. We got the new kits. We saw the new gear revealed on Tuesday to everybody. The pay structure was also revealed since we last spoke, I believe. And the gear has been met with mixed reactions. Some love it. Others think it's just okay. And others think it's basically Reebok with fangs on it. So Jed Mishu, what do you think, my friend? If you were a UFC fighter, would you be happy with the new Venom apparel? Would you be happy with the new deal? What are your thoughts on this whole thing now that you've seen it uh, with your eyes?
4: no I wouldn't be happy with it. it it's reebok with fangs which means it's an improvement because as dumb as venom is with its name that's terrible terrible uh their logo is at least like cooler than reebok's logo uh even if it is far less well known so maybe maybe there's a give and take there but like this the gear looks the same we shouldn't be surprised the ufc has no Creative apparatus behind it, frankly. Look what they did with the friggin' BMF belt. Like, the one time they stole a good idea from one of their fighters, they then immediately put forth the most generic trash ass title they could muster. Like, of course, they're not gonna they're not gonna build a better fight kit that's more interesting. They're gonna just pallet swap that shit and throw some fangs on it. Like it's just it's it's what we should expect. It sucks. You should never be excited about it. Like honestly, one of the things that's the most fun about watching one or friggin Bellator is the like different uniforms because there's at least some level of personality to them. So uh, the gear sucks. The pay structure. I think we did talk about it at the end last week. Uh, the pay structure is arguably worse. I know that monetary, like from a straight number standpoint, it's better. But if you factor in inflation, it's actually not even as good <laughs> over the period of time. So they should hate that. And they should really hate that they have had no say in any of this. Like they they didn't get to bargain for this. They don't get to do anything cool with their fight shorts. Hell, Bryce Mitchell posted about it. Like he had to go through hell and high water to get himself some camo Reebok gear. And then they ditch Reebok and he's going to have to do that whole damn thing again to get Reebok shorts from Venom. Like, it's just, it sucks. It's the one of the worst parts about the EOC. They're creatively bankrupt in the most obvious, visible ways. And so no fighters should be pumped about it uh, because nobody should be excited about it. It is what it is.
3: All right, Jose. <laughs> I knew Casey was going to play that sound effect. No doubt about it. Jose is just like, just waiting for his chance to respond to the Venom gear. What are your thoughts?
5: <laughs> it's... Unbelievable how little I care about how the <laughs> Venom fight kits look. I just <laughs> don't care. Like, pay the people more. I don't care if you give them like burlap sex and it's all just a different say- shade of beige. I just don't care what they look like. Just pay the fighters more. And yes, everyone can complain that they don't get to be creative. But I've heard very – like I'm sure there are fighters and it's just not on my radar. Everyone that's complaining about it is the people that like, oh, I just want to go buy my favorite fighter's T-shirt. And then I just can't – I can't wear it now. Go buy it directly from them. Robert Whitaker selling shirts for like $80. Go drop $80 on a Robert Whitaker shirt if you want it from his store. And he gets all of the money and the UFC, UFC gets none of it. Yes, it's unfortunate that they can't wear what they want to wear inside the UFC Octagon because we all want to see cool – and awesome entrances. We all want to see all of that, but it's just, I do not care. It's unbelievable how little I care what these fight kits look. Are they functional? I'm, I hope so because remember when that, when the Reebok uh, fight kits came out, I think it was all uh, Valerie. Uh, what's her name? Yeah. the uh, women's trash. Yeah, Like her top kept coming up and then like your eye shorts kept falling down against Dominic Cruz. And people said it was, and they were spelling everything wrong. I don't care what they look like as long as a few things. They fit, they work, and they're not falling down, and you pay the fighters more. If you want to make all of them wear either pink or mauve, so be it. I do not care. if you want to let them wear cool akotsky outfits all the time cool i know michael venom page did it i know roxy's done it in Victa. i know uh, angela hill's done it with her cool uh wayans and yes it it adds character but we're losing so we're, we are seeing so few new characters in the ufc that i don't even think fighters will take advantage of it everyone's like oh i want to see him wear this and that i am willing to bet that very few fighters will take advantage of the fact that they will they will have left less, less handcuffs uh on them for their creativity. And they'll probably just put a bunch of other stickers and look like a NASCAR racer again, which is fine as long as they're making more money. That's all I care about. Aesthetics are so low on the totem pole in my mind. Just give them more money.
3: Okay. So there, there are a few times in a, in a host career. Where's my applause career. or
5: boo? Where's my applause or boo? I know you want to <laughs> boo me, Casey. Give me the boo. Give me the wah,
3: wah there you go don't
5: be afraid to don't be afraid to give me that noise
4: i would like to rebuttal against jose just very quickly uh you sir you sir again. i hope they misspell names because one of the great regrets i have in my life is that i didn't buy a gibler shirt i don't give a shit about the ufc jersey thing but i would absolutely love to own a gibler shirt (laughs) because that is a great piece of random ass mma arcana like that would be awesome
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there there are a few times in a host career where they take what I like to call like calculated risks. Like, do I ask this question? And this is one of those questions where I weighed the pros and cons. And I was like, how is this going to go? And we got two terrific answers. But the real reason, like I was hoping – that Jose's response would go the way that it did is because I wanted to get your take on something else. Because right before we hit record, I just listened to something on Twitter because everyone's talking about the promotional pay with the Venom deal. And Jose talked about the fighter pay, and that's great. I think everybody's with that. But Joe Lozon was on Sirius XM the other day, and he was asked about the deal. It was on Tuesday, as a matter of fact. And he said essentially, and I may be paraphrasing a little bit, with this Reebok deal, There's like a reason that Nike wasn't selected, that Under Armour wasn't selected. Reebok offered the UFC more money and, you know, basically said like, you know, we had someone that was willing to give us more money than anybody else. And when the stuff got released and we saw the pay, we weren't happy with it. So we ran their name like down we flushed their name down the toilet so we basically got what we deserved because after the way we treated Reebok and reacted to the Reebok deal initially it kind of crushed us for the future because like who would be excited to like get on board with the fighters if the fighters just get a dump on everything so I'm curious Jose like what do you think of Joe Lozon's view on all this from like a fighter's perspective that yeah sure the fighters should make more money but it's he's basically saying like it's our fault we're not because we shit on the deal to begin with the first time
5: i get i 100 percent get it uh because i remember i was working for another site and one of the things i had to write about was i had to go through rebox the comments on Reebok's facebook page like the week of the the deal came out and the pay structure and everything came out i remember brandon shaw came out and retired because he wasn't going to make as much money the Reebok deal they could post anything they wanted they could post like we're hosting i think someone was like oh we're hosting the crossfit games and all of the comments were about the UFC deal. Nothing about the actual thing they're promoting. So I completely get where Joe on is coming from because he's right. Not only the fighters, but the fans were just trashing on it so much <laughs> that Reebok probably got scared. Nike got scared, and everyone got scared. And the UFC's like, oh, Venom, come on down. You're the only one left. You're the only one willing to do uh, business with us doesn't surprise me whatsoever and i joe lozon is a very bright man he's a former co-host of the a-side fellow bostonian
3: i agree jed your thoughts on a fighter's perspective on this
4: joe lozon's never been more wrong about anything in his entire life one i'm pretty sure lozon said this when the reebok deal came out so there were definitely a couple of fighters saying like we need to not badmouth this because of the future thing like He's right about one thing. It is entirely the fighter's fault. It is not the fighter's fault because they shit on a shitty product that pays them shitty money that they had no say in. It's their fault because they had no say in it. Like if they had unionized, if they have gathered in any meaningful way, then, yeah, they would get to dictate these terms or at least be involved in them. Like the way to fix this thing has always been fighters get a piece of space on on the uniform where they can promote their own thing. But they can't even negotiate that because they're not even at the table. They're not in the building. They're not in the area code of being at the table. So, yeah, he's right. It's their fault in that. But the rest of this is nonsense. Like – Do you really think that Venom was the only option? No, the UFC was negotiating with several people. Venom offered the most because they had the most to gain from this. Nike doesn't need the UFC for shit, so they're not going to offer them all the money in the world for this. Like, There's just no need. Like, The fighters are getting a raw deal here. Yes, it is their fault they're getting a raw deal here, but they should not beg and scrape for something better. Like, if they had just been nice, do you really think Nike's going to come in with a godfather offer that's going to pay him more money? No. Nike's in business, and the is in business. Nike might come in with a godfather offer that pays the UFC more money, but they're not going to see a damn cent of that. Like, this is... <laughs> This is the most charitable view of the UFC's business negotiations I've ever heard of. Like, ah, yeah, the fighters screwed this up and not they're the victims of what is clearly terrible management negotiation aimed at exploiting them, the workers. Like, no, this is terrible. This is awful. He's all the way wrong.
3: There you go. Some, Some different views. And uh, guess what? We get to see Impa Kasang and I and Sasha Palatnikov kick off the new era era on Saturday, UFC Vegas 23. So there you go. A fascinating round four. A a question I didn't really want to ask, but I'm glad I did because we got some uh, some great responses. And now uh, I don't even know what's happening right now, but the point for round four goes to... Because the Red Sox won, Jose gets the point. Can't crap on Joe Lowe's on on this program. I don't know. This is the toughest choice of my career. But listen, we, we're going to head to the knock around because I'm selfish. You know how the show goes. <laughs> listen, <laughs> you know, you can see it on my face. But listen, one question decides it all. There's not going to be any doors this time, Jose. It's just going to be a straight question. There are some options to choose from. But once this question is asked... Each of these gentlemen will have one minute to respond. Once that is done, we'll turn it over to the honorable Judge Casey Lide, and He will render the final decision, and hopefully, he can go to sleep with this decision feeling good about it. But there's lots of ways we could have gone with this. Everyone has talked about Poirier-McGregor three. We've known for months this fight was happening. We're going to talk all about that. I'm sure we talked in Ganu Jones the Derek Lewis that whole triangle last week we're certainly going to be talking about it again no doubt about it i wanted to pump the brakes on that for a week or so cuz i have a feeling this story ain't going anywhere but anyways jose you are the champion you have the choice do you want to go first or pass it over to jed second it's going number 2 all right we have one category jed monsieur there's only guess- one door that door that door is upcoming ufc fight night main events all right so after this saturday mr michu next week we got robert whittaker versus kelvin Gastelum. Then we get 261 that's out of the equation for now may 1st dominic reyes versus yuri perhaska in the main event week after that we get Corey sanhagen versus tj dillashaw after that we get the pay-per-view and then we round out may's fight nights with rob font versus cody garbrand and look it seems obvious what the correct answer to this question is but let's have some fud, Jed. Which one of these upcoming fight night main events that I just listed interests you the most and why? And I also want to throw out a little caveat that whatever fight you choose, Jose has to pick a different fight. So this could slightly be in your, in your favor to your advantage, Jed. So one minute on the clock. You heard the main events, the upcoming fight nights through May. Your time starts right now.
4: So I don't know that there's an obvious answer because all these fight night main events are actually really fun fights. Uh, I'm going to take what I think you're referencing when you say is the obvious answer, just because it is actually the most fascinating for me. And that's Corey Sandhagen, TJ Dillashaw. I mean, look, Dillashaw has not lost at Bantamweight. Like he did not lose his title at this weight class. He lost it when he cut a bunch of weight and then vacated his belt because he got popped for EPO. Like, and conversely, Sandhagen looked like a monster his last couple of times out. Like, he rebounded from the Aljo loss uh, really well. Maybe is right there in contention. I think he's a fascinating style matchup for anybody. And I still think Dillashaw might have the juice to to go with anybody in the world. Like, Dillashaw, Peter Yan, that fight is bananas. I can't wait to see it. We will get it at some point. But first, we're going to get this one. This is going to be super high volume, super technical. It's going to go everywhere. And the storylines coming into it are, I think, more captivating than any of the other fight nights. I'm going with that one.
3: All right. So we go over to the champion. This is why you're the champion, Jose. This is You get put in these situations here. We got Whitaker Gasolum. We got Reyes Perhashka. We take Dillashaw, uh Sanhagen off the table. And we got and Garbrand. So what is the most fascinating fight? What horse you jumping on? What fight excites you the most? Your one minute starts right now, sir. In terms of fascination...
5: I wasn't going to pick T.J. or uh, Corey Sandhagen anyway. I am so on board for Jory Prohaska doing anything. I loved him in Ryzen. I thought his fight against Vulcan Ozdemir was absolutely ridiculous when he was fighting Vulcan Ozdemir with his hands down and still decapitated a human man on Fight Island. They were supposed to fight earlier. That didn't happen. It gets pushed. I'm glad it's still a five-round main event because especially with the light division, Kind of being more open than it's been in like a decade. We get these all awesome, fun matchups. Yes, Jan is the champion. He just beat Israel Adesanya. He's probably going to fight Globe after that. And then Alexander Ratchik is there too. There are fights to make at Light Heavyweight. And I am so on board with Jura Prohaska versus anybody against a door, against Jan, against Ratchik, against have him fight Israel Adesanya, have him go up and fight John Jones. I don't care who he fights. I just want to see him do crazy, wild, ridiculous things and knock people dead on television.
3: Wow. You know what was so great about that answer, Jose, is I I could close my eyes and just hear you pounding that table, and I knew where your hands are going to be the whole time. I mean, that was pure passion right there. And, of course, Jed brings nothing but passion to this program and this is why this is such a such a great massive Th- this was the most fascinating matchup this is more fascinating than anything else we've talked about today but now the fascination peaks even higher because we turn it on over to the now i'm sure very certain honorable judge e casey Leiden, the judge the jury the executive producer to render the final decision casey do you have a decision in mind who is the champ Alright
5: alright. You're winner.
4: And new Jed Majou. He gets it done. What a battle. This shirt is undefeated, by the way. <laughs> That's what this shirt is.
3: Oh man. That was that was a hellacious battle. Really enjoyed that one. It, I, think, the I think I streamers have found
4: the bump just because it's fight circus tomorrow, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that bump. You know? <laughs> I, I stood my ground. I have dug my flag into my corner. I deserve to reap the benefits.
6: Mr. Jose Youngs did make
3: an, a, an incredible argument for Yuri. I love that Yuri.
4: That's I, obviously I, the other good choice. Yeah, my that was... one did you think was the obvious one?
3: The one you said.
4: Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of thought that was the case. I, I really debated going curveball with Rob Vonk, <laughs> Cody Garbizi, just because it's funny, but decided I'd try to not.
3: There you go. Well, with that, Jed, you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about good, bad, and different. I wonder what you're going to talk about, but you can talk about whatever you want, my friend. Go ahead.
4: Look, I'm not going to directly talk about the Fight Circus just because we did this last week. Um, it's tomorrow, I think, at midnight. You should watch it. Not on a work computer, because you should not watch on that, but you should definitely watch it. It's going to be hella fun. Uh, I would like to take this opportunity to call out one man. Uh, you know, I am the Fight Circus guy. I've been repping it since day one harder than anyone. A lot of people joining the bandwagon. Uh, Sean Alshaddy used to work with me. He's really starting to try and Encroach my ground. I'm not okay with that, Sean. I'm the fight circus dude. Back the hell off, or come get this work.
3: So whoever is on social media duty, clip that piece, tag Al Shadi. And by the way, I have spoken with Mr. Al Shadi. Uh, we will see him at some point later this month. So your call may not be wasteful at all. I'll still be Mr. Don't worry. <laughs> and uh, Jose. What would you like to say? You still have your six shirts to to comfort you in this in this uh, in this sad moment. What would you like to say to oh, the Oh, I'm bees? not
5: sad whatsoever. I mean I thought I was going to be facing Sarah Coffin, so I was expecting something else. Obviously, she couldn't happen. And I already, I already pieced up Jed last week. So it's like, you know, when those fighters, like, you know, I didn't really have any motivation. I didn't train. I didn't look to any of that. <laughs> that's, a, that's normally how I interact with Jed anyway. It's like, why do I have to do this right now? It could be anything. I'm like, God damn it. I just don't want to deal with Jed today. But the fact that I had to face him two weeks in a row just mentally and emotionally wasn't there because. I had already achieved his goals and dreams last last week, and I thought I was going to achieve more of them this week by taking on Sarah Kaufman. Didn't happen, so he's still a little dead inside because he's still missing that one piece between me and Sarah Kaufman going back and forth once again. Maybe I'll fulfill his wishes if he's nice, but that's neither here nor there. He'll probably be nice the day he uses conditioner, which is going to be never as he has that mop of whatever he calls hair on the top of his dome. So it is what it is. We all complained about Stipe. Does Stipe Miocic deserve the rematch between France and Ganu? And I said, probably. And Jed said, doesn't interest me. And then I was a good man and gave him the rematch. So naturally Stipe now has to rematch France and Ganu just based off of that logic. His Fight fight Circus 3 shirt is technically undefeated, but he's also undefeated on April 8th, 2021. So for the rest of those dates, he's undefeated too. Don't know why his shirt would make a difference, so... Let's please move on. And I can finally, after what, four or five weeks in a row of carrying the ratings, I can take a break and Jed can flounder and he can be the ultimate warrior and I'll be Hogan who has to come in and bump the ratings up and give him a little Hogan dust, brother, and then move on
3: from there. Can I, can I rescore that last round? Because I don't know, man. R- round six. <laughs> round six looks really impressive. Good showing from Jose.
4: Yeah. Where was that, Jose? You just brought the heat after the fact. Anytime I can
5: talk about the old 90s and the territories of professional wrestling, you will lose. So that's what happened right there.
4: You got to lean on that a little <laughs> earlier, my guy.
3: <laughs> Jose basically was the Shawn Michaels, and he took Jed Michoud Janetti and threw him right through the barbershop window with that promo. Nicely done. Nicely done. Uh, but that's Wait, it. Brutus,
5: see? Shout out to Bruce the Barber. Terrible wrestler. Got his face destroyed. Still alive, though.
3: Yes, sure did sure did but listen we're done we're getting out of here we'll see you next week get excited Jed the reign of Jed Mashu has begun once again <laughs> so for Jed Mashu, <laughs> Jose Young Casey dollars, Latton, Mike. <laughs> and Mike <laughs> the iconic voice of Esther Lynn get you out of here good night everybody
2: this has been Love Between the Links and MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network
6: I'm Mr. Lynn!
1: No, you're not. <laughs> yes, I am.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Vox MMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit.
1: bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dknj.co/bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot